boys' names are Hophni and Phinehas. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at something this morning. We're going to talk about an obedient heart. But I want you to see the contrast between these two families. How one did what God had called, and they were both involved with the Lord in some fashion. Elkanah went every year and did what he was supposed to do, bringing his offerings, doing those things, taking his family with him, taking Hannah with him, uh, taking his uh, uh, family up there with him and, and making the sacrifices of God. Now, Eli was there. And he was the one that was to receive the people. He's taking care of God's place. And, and uh, he is the man. And he's the priest. And, and all these things are happening. And here he has two boys that are supposed to be helping him with the ministry there. And, and so and being a blessing to the people and being obedient unto the Lord themselves. But those two families, we're going to see a clear contrast in what happened. And there is a specific reason why things turned out differently for these two families. There's a specific reason that it did, and we'll see in just a moment, why did it turn out differently for these two families? What was the contrast? What was that moment in time when we think that something doesn't matter, that it really does matter, and we'll see this contrast occur? And so I want us to look into God's word this morning as we look at these two families, and we see the depths of these two families' lives exposed. And the heart of a woman who's just absolutely broken, and she cannot have a child. And, and she's gone to the Lord about this, but this time she goes again. And in fact, when she goes, she's praying, and as she's praying, it says she even prayed to the point where her lips were moving, the words were coming out, and Eli comes out and thinks that she's drunk. And she says, oh, no, that's not the case. Oh, no, no, that's not how it's going. I'm not drunk, but I do re quest something of my God. And she wanted a child. Not only did God bless her with a baby, <laughs> later on he blessed her with three sons and two daughters later on. And, and the Lord, it says the Lord opened her womb. God did that. God made that happen. That's why when I look at the scriptures as believers, we ought to oppose abortion. Amen? Because God opens and closes the womb. Amen? God's the one that provides that. And as I look to this, we see Hannah, when she had prayed, she made a commitment unto the Lord, and God blessed her with her first child, Samuel. Then Hannah did something, and this is amazing. So, well, she was still yet barren, the Bible says. She couldn't have the child. She goes to God and says, God, I want a child. And God, if you give me this child, God, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to commit that child back to you. Whoa. I'm going to commit it back to you. And you know the wonderful thing is, she didn't hold out on God. <laughs> she said, when Elkanah came, said, we're going to go up. She said, when the child is weaned, we'll turn him over. So whenever she turned him over, she turned him over to Eli. Well, we're going to find out how Eli was and what God said about what he wanted to do in Samuel's life. God allowed Eli to have this child after he was weaned, and he raised him up there. Uh, and Eli had two sons, and they too were raised up by their dad. And the priests, that's who he was. And the Bible says that Hophni and Phinehas were not good guys. They were the priest's sons. And they weren't good guys. They weren't doing right. And so as we look at this, we see what happens. In fact, the Bible says... They were sons of Belial. Now, that word's used in the New Testament as well. They were 
children of the devil. <laughs> they were some bad dudes. <laughs> they were not doing right, even though they were in God's house. They weren't doing right. And so we look at this, and so these two boys were not godly, and they failed to serve their dad and the Lord and the people with an obedient heart. I want you to look back at chapter 2 with me if you're there in your Bible. Let's look at two verses. Look at verse 17. It said, Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child and girded with a linen ephod. Now here's the thing. There's the contrast right there. He said, here's these two boys that belong to Eli, and here's what happened. Those two boys caused other people to turn away from God. They didn't even want to go make their sacrifices because these two fellows were not living right. And yet Samuel, who was not his, God brought on the scene, and it came, listen to me, ladies, by the commitment of a woman who's willing to turn her child back over to God. That's how it happened. And she held to her commitment. The outcome of these two homes was very different. And we could see that the blessings of the Lord came through an obedient heart. And so here's the challenge to us this morning. And I just want you to really think about this. As we go through this uh, 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 message here, I want you to really think about uh, how often are you challenged in your own heart to be obedient to God? You know what's right and you know what's wrong. And listen, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit resides in you. And you know what's right and you know what's wrong. And God brings conviction to the believer's life. And you know what's right and you know what's wrong. And you know what goes against God. And you know what goes against His standard. But you've got to let the Holy Spirit help you in your decision making. And not be guided by the flesh. And so as we go into the Word of God this morning... I want you to be reminded of this, and I share this often. In the New Testament, when the Pharisees would come and uh, the Sadducees would come and, and they would try to challenge Jesus and stuff, uh, and try to catch him and trap him and try to catch him off guard and all that kind of stuff, there was one thing that the Scriptures repeated several times, and it's this phrase, and Jesus knew their thoughts. He knew exactly what they were thinking. I want you to be considering this this morning as we go through this. As a believer, do you think God knows what we're thinking? Sure he does. And so the Bible says, but the Lord said unto Samuel, and this is later on in Samuel's life. Samuel's gone on now. He's later on in his ministry, and, and God's getting ready to raise up a king. And, and he says this to Samuel, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance. Don't look at the outward man. Don't just look at his stature and who he is and how people are and all that kind of stuff. Listen, don't look at all that. Don't look at whether he's just great looking and he's husky and he's bold and he's muscular. And, and uh, man, this would just make a great king. Can't you see the crown sitting on the head of that man? He said, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. He said, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because I've refused him. He said, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance. Man can see only what's on the outside of us, can he not? But here's what God said. God said to Samuel, but the Lord looketh on the heart. He sees your heart. In the New Testament it says, and Jesus knew their thoughts. So God, right now in the midst of this service, 
knows what you're thinking right now. You can't hide it from him. He knows what's on your mind. He knows what you're thinking. And so God gives us a view into these two homes, Elkanah and Eli. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at these two men and their two lives and the two outcomes. And I want you to see the contrast between these two households. And so as we look at this, first of all, I want to talk to you about the innocence of obedience. The innocence of obedience. And so when we look into the scriptures here, and we look at verses 4 through 6, we see an innocent young boy. And when you review the chapters, verses 1 through 3, and you see Elkanah, a man who obeyed God, his wife who obeyed God and the Lord, we see the blessings of God on their life. And it came through obedience. You say, well, listen, I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace. That should be more of a reason that we want to obey God. If you love me, keep my what? Keep my word. Do those things which are right if you love me. And he says that these two, this Elkanah, this Hannah, they loved God. They cared about what God thought. And therefore, they were willing to go to God. And we see the childlike innocence of Samuel as he responds to his master's call. And listen, I want to tell you something. It wasn't a delayed call. He went to find out what was going on. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you would have liked that or would like that? That it, First time you call your child, they say, here I come. <laughs> How many of you would like that? Man, I'd like a dog that does that, amen? Come here, boy. And he runs the other direction. you got to meet this dog. His name's Eli, by the way. <laughs> and the thing of it is, how many of you would like a child? You say, come here, honey, and they run off in the other direction. If it bothers you <laughs> that when you talk to your child or someone else, and they turn in the other direction while you're trying to get their attention, and they go the other way, and you got to call and call and call till the point is, I'm down here now! Anybody ever been there? How many of you have been there? You had to scream your lungs out to get their attention. Do you know that didn't happen with Eli? I mean with uh, Samuel? It didn't happen with Samuel. God said, Samuel, and he actually thought it was Eli. <laughs> and he runs over and he says, here am I. Here I am. And he goes, go lay down, boy. <laughs> I didn't call you. Eli didn't even recognize what happened. The man of God didn't recognize what happened. Now I want to tell you something. I love my son Connor. We got a lot in common. He's a great kid. But here's the thing. When he was little, I wanted to really just take him and throw him down in the crib one time. Do you know why? Every time I'd try to go to sleep, he wanted up. And every time I'd lay him down, he wanted to get back up. And we were in a confined space, a smaller area. The other two kids had their bedrooms, and his crib is in my room. And Connor didn't want to play at noon. He wanted to play at midnight, 2 in the morning, 4 in the morning. I'm like, what is wrong with you, child? <laughs> go to bed. And you say, well, shouldn't your wife? Yeah, she did. We would take turns jockeying back and forth trying to get this kid to lay down. And the thing of it is, is it would irritate me to no end. But it wasn't like he was raising up saying, here am I, Dad. <laughs> no, he wanted to talk to me. He wanted to play games. He wanted to throw pillows at me and sometimes stuff that was in his diaper. <laughs> wasn't like what happened here. God called. He thought it was his master. And he ran and said, here am I. 
I'm ready to, I'm ready to serve you, God. And we see this childlike innocence, and we see that it's not delayed. And I want to tell you something. We ought to commend our children when they do right, amen? We ought to commend them. But when they're doing wrong, don't commend them. Don't commend them. Don't think by commending them when they're doing wrong. In other words, you're kind of massaging them, making them feel better even though they uh, are doing wrong. You don't do that. When wrong is wrong, wrong is wrong, you correct the wrong, amen? And you commend the right. Now, don't commend it all the time until they get this swelled head, but certainly you want that first-time obedience in their life. And as we look at this, the call upon this child's life is real, and perhaps some of you may have a child or a grandchild, and God is working on their life right now. Or maybe it's you, and God's working on your life, and he's putting a call on your life, and you're ignoring God instead of saying, here am I, Lord. And the thing of it is, is that we as parents, we need to take this obedience stuff real. And it's important that our children are obedient. And listen to me, we'll get to this in just a moment, but it's important for us to correct our children. No matter what the world teaches us, we need to correct our kids. How many would say amen to that? One, I corrected my kids. I did not spare the rod. I used it, and you can talk to my children, and I want to challenge you, don't do what the world does, do what God said, amen? And raise our children according to the truth of the word of God. And the thing of it is, is the world wants to tell you one thing, but the Bible tells you the truth, amen? And so no matter what man may think, we have a responsibility before God. There are rebellious children, and even when you raise them according to truth, they will not respond to the Lord, and they allow their sinful hearts to rule their life. So even though you're correcting, you say, well, they went off the wrong way. It happens sometimes. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen? Everybody needs to get saved. If they're not saved, they're going to live like the world, and sometimes even after they get saved, they go back into the pollutions of the world, according to Peter. And they're like a dog returning to their own vomit. As a, as a pig wallowing in the mire. And sometimes they go back into that. But listen, we need to pray to God to pull them out of that. The Lord still loves them and gives them an opportunity to do right. To right their wrongs and to turn their wicked heart back to him. And I thank God every day for grace and mercy. <laughs> Two things I'm grateful God gives. <laughs> he gives us his grace and he gives us his mercy. Those things which we do not deserve, he gives unto us. And those things that we do deserve, he does not give unto us. What a great God we serve. Amen. And the thing of it is, when I look to the scriptures and I see these things, children are not saved, but they're innocent. They're naive and not exposed to all the sinfulness of the world at the time of their birth. And it requires the parents. It requires the parents. It requires the parents to walk closely with God. It requires that of you. How can you intend to raise this child up and you want to live like a hellion and go out there in the world and live like the heathen and think that I'm going to raise a godly child? Now God saves some kids out of that stuff and praise God for that, amen? But I should have enough about me that if I was raised in the house of the Lord, I ought to be in the house of the Lord and I ought to raise my kids according to the house of the Lord, amen? I ought to do that because that's right. That is the right thing to do. Therefore, if the child is called of God, if the parents are sensitive to the Lord, I think that child will be sensitive to the calling of God. I think that child will be sensitive to the calling of God. 
As I think about this, you and I, if saved, we're saved by grace and heaven is our home, but the Lord still desires for his children to be obedient children. The Bible says in John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. We, 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 we ought to do this because we love God. We ought to just do right because we love God. Now, we find the Lord used the statement about Samuel that you find a similar passage in the New Testament. <laughs> and I by no means believe that Samuel uh, was Christ, nor uh, do I believe that God couldn't use him maybe as a picture of Christ. But I want you to look at this phrase. Look at verse 26 in chapter uh, 2 with me again. Everybody with me, say amen. amen. Look at verse 26. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with who? Men, with God and man. Now, let me tell you, this is only found another time in the, in the scriptures. And it's mentioned of Jesus Christ. And in Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And I want to tell you something, ladies. It started with a praying mother. <laughs> it started with a praying mother. Elkanah's wife, Hannah, prayed. Prayed to God took that child to the Lord, then kept the commitment after having done that. Samuel was not Christ, but I believe he was an innocent little boy, naive at the time, because there's a passage over here in chapter 3 that says, uh, Now Samuel did not know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. He wasn't saved. He, he, he didn't know God in that manner, but... Hannah must have taught him some principles to be obedient, to be obedient to authority in his life. And as you look at this, you can see that God greatly used his life. And you read, you got first and second Samuel, amen. And Samuel comes up in first and second Kings. His name crops up in the scriptures multiple times. God used this boy in a very great way. And it started when he was a child. When he was a child. Now, here's the challenge. Challenge yourself and your whole household to serve the Lord. And listen, don't do it with a rebellious attitude and spirit. Do it with a heart of obedience, receiving the blessings of God. And I do believe that obedient people receive the blessings of God. I can see it in the Bible. It's clear that they do. Our reply to God's call demonstrates the spirit of our heart. As we look at this, look at verses 7 and 8. In chapter 3 here, it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Three times. Finally, Eli gets it, doesn't he? Eli gets the picture. It says, Oh, wait a minute. Maybe it's God calling this boy. Maybe it's the Lord. Hey, folks, men, is there a grandchild or a child that you come in contact with regularly that you could be astute to that by your close walk with the Lord, by your obedience unto God, by your attitude and your spirit that you may help that child? Now, I look at this, and the child responded to the leadership, and in his mind, it was the voice of the priest, and the child responded in obedience to the call. <laughs> he responded. He responded. 
I love it when my kids say, yes, sir. And then you know what I like? When the action follows, amen? <laughs> they say, yes, sir, and then the action follows. That's good. How many of you would like that every time you spoke to your child? <laughs> then immediately they respond, and then they go and do what they're told. You know, it amazes me that the Lord did this three times before Eli the priest recognized it. And Eli dealt with his two sons who were wretched. And there was a penalty to be paid. And uh, the steps of Eli's sons caused a lot of heartache for this man. Caused a lot of heartache for this man. They weren't really following the Lord as they should. And it caused a lot of difficulty for Eli. But listen, Eli had a responsibility in this as well. And when you go to the scriptures, you see this. You know, uh, when I look at this, the mother and specifically the dad of the home has a responsibility to correct their children. And the wife, listen to me, ladies, you're not to go behind the husband's back and undo what's being done. You should never do that. You should never undo what's being done. When the correction is coming, you need to fulfill, let it be fulfilled. And, and when I say that, I'm, I'm thinking this. The wife and the mother is there to support the correction. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about what the world says. By the world, uh, by the world standards, the things that I did to my kids, I abused them by spanking them where it, it, it counts, right? By all the world's account, that's wrong. But I'm telling you, according to the scriptures, it's not wrong. And there's a lot of people moving away from that today. And we can see those rebellious spirits and those uh, rebellious hearts starting to rise up. And listen, discipline in the home, in the lives of your children is important. And you need to instill some discipline in them. Part of discipline is sometimes just saying, no, you cannot do that. And one of the things I always try to do is I let them know, no, and here is the reason why. I don't have to explain myself. No ought to be enough, amen? But there are times in their older ages that I begin to say, but here's the reason why. And the fact is, is sometimes no is a good thing for their life. No is a good thing in their life. It's not always about just giving your child everything he wants every time he wants it. Uh, we got enough spoiled children in the world today as it is. We need some children that have some discipline in their lives and have some discipline to do some things. And when I thought about this, Elkanah and Hannah prayed for Samuel, turned Samuel over to the Lord, and then Eli, the priest, was there to help the people. His sons became a terror to the service of the Lord. Turn to verse 13, chapter 3. Look with me here. He said this. Now, here's the contrast, okay? Look at me for just a moment before we read the verse. Here's the contrast. This is what we're going to look at. One is... You have a husband and wife. You have the wife go and pray. There's a commitment made, and the husband and her working together to help get this child, Samuel, to where he needs to be. Turning him over to Eli was part of the plan. That was the commitment. By the way, God's watching over Samuel. <laughs> but look at verse 13 now, and here is the contrast. Watch this. In verse 13, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth because his sons made themselves vile. And look at the phrase, he restrained them, what? Not. He didn't stop them, did he? He let them go ahead and do it. He let them go ahead and do it. When we let them go ahead and do it, sometimes I want you to understand you're the one that's accountable. They're doing the wrong, but you are accountable. They'll be accountable for what they've done, but I'm telling you, there is a time 
to restrain our children from their behavior. And God judged Eli and his house for not restraining his children, for not stopping them from doing things. And there was a penalty to be paid. God condemned the actions of Eli and prophesied of the end of his household because he did not correct his sons. But God took an obedient child like Samuel and blessed his life greatly. God did some great things with him. He did that with Samuel. As we go to the word of God and we look at this, I think every parent needs to be aware of when the child whom they love is not responding with an obedient heart. Listen, children are disobedient. They're born disobedient, are they not? I, I have Elise. How many of you know my daughter, Elise? Huh? <laughs> See how little she is? When she was just little, we put her in the nursery. <laughs> and we had her in the nursery. And there's another little boy down there. His name was Caleb, by the way. And, and Caleb was down in the nursery. And here's that sweet, little, innocent little girl. And my wife gets a call from upstairs. You need to come down to the nursery. Uh, what's going on? She had Caleb by the throat against the wall. And that toy, she said, mine, mine. Now, one, I've never restrained my children by the throat. There are times I wanted to, amen? <laughs> but I didn't do that. I never taught that little girl to behave that way. I didn't teach her that. But she did react in a way that, how many of you would say, that's pretty ungodly, that's pretty wicked. You don't grab somebody by the throat, <laughs> You don't do that to someone. And the thing of it is, is she, at that little, little age, got spanked for what she did. It's okay to spank your kids. It's okay to spank your kids. You know why? It's scriptural. The Bible says it's okay. When we don't restrain them, there's going to be a penalty to be paid. And I'll tell you what, I want to spank them at two rather than pick them up at prison at 18. How many would like to do that? Amen. Right? I'd rather spank them as they're growing up than to have to go pick them up at the jailhouse at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning sometime. Because I wasn't willing to restrain them when they were a child. That's the problem that Eli ran into. Every parent needs to be aware of that child. And the response of a child is a strong indicator of their heart toward obedience and truth. I, I realize that the Lord knows our thoughts and whether they're truly being obedient or not. But here's the thing. Disobedience doesn't affect my position with God. I'm saved, so it doesn't affect my position with God. But disobedience can break my fellowship with the Lord. Disobedience can cause me to draw away from God. So if it can do it to me, can it do it to my child who might be saved? Well, what you want to do is you want to try to help restrain some of that foolishness that's in their heart. And you want to help them see truth. And you want to tell them what the Bible says. And you want them to understand truth. And you want to under, them to understand the reason they're being disciplined is because God's holding me accountable to discipline these whom he gave me to begin with because they're not mine. They belong to God anyway. And God has given them to me for a time. And part of that lease is, is that I do correction according to the truth of the word of God because that child isn't mine anyway. He belongs to God. <laughs> And therefore, I ought to discipline that child according to the book that was written and given unto me and said, here's how you do that. And I do it according to the word of God. 
Not according to my feelings and not according to my emotions, but according to truth. And I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about correction. And listen, when you think about this, it takes correction. It's not easy, but it is necessary for us to not overlook disobedience in the life of our children. Don't overlook it. Listen, Eli paid a heavy cost for doing that. The cost of it was is that both his sons died in the same day because Eli restrained them not. When I look to the scriptures, Proverbs 23, 26 says this, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Emily, Mike, come over here and sit down. Connor, come here. Quickly, son. Come on up here and sit down. My daughter, Elise, worked a 12-hour shift last night. She's not here this morning. They usually didn't sit in this order. They usually sat in the order. you got to move over one. You stay seated. Scoot close together like you love one another. Okay. Here's what I did when these guys were little. You can ask them this. They were just little. Emily just starting to learn how to talk. I set my kids on the couch. This proverb says, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Watch what I'm doing. Watch what I'm doing. I set these three kids on a couch, four kids, on a couch, and I knelt down before them. I don't want to kneel down because I'm too short. You won't see me now, right? And I was in front of them, and I said, listen. I said, kids, the Bible says, my son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. And I looked at these kids, and I said, listen, would you, would you give daddy your heart? And then watch me. Where is the onus? We say it's two parts. They have to be willing to give you their heart. And number two, you have the responsibility for what they're watching, don't you? What are they watching in your lives? What do they see? What are they looking at? What are they watching in your life? Are they watching a disobedient mom and dad? Are they watching somebody who kind of uses God when they think it's convenient? Or are they watching someone who loves God and is fulfilling God's word? And you're doing it God's way. You know, I pray every day, Brother Tangerman, that I'm that man. Every day, God help me to be that person. Oh, it's a struggle, isn't it, Brother Chris? It's hard to do right sometimes, isn't it? We've learned in Sunday school what a struggle that can be. But I'm here to tell you something this morning. It's possible if you're saved. Because with God, all things are possible, aren't they? Without him, you can do nothing. But by his hand, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. When I look to the scriptures, children, you can go back to your places. When I look to the scriptures and I see some things, the Bible says in Proverbs twenty-two fifteen, 15, 
Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. My dad believed in that. <laughs> he wasn't saved, but I know he believed in that. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you, he used that rod on my tail more than one time. But it caused me to rethink before I did some things. <laughs> it stopped me in my tracks at times because I did not want the challenge of having to get wailed on after I did something stupid. And by the way, my mom did a great job at it too. One time she told me, she said, don't go too far from the house. We lived in Mount Sterling was the name of the place. Monongahela River flowed behind our house and the railroad tracks were right in front of our house. The Monongahela was my swimming pool. We didn't have what you all have, you know, all these pools around like, because Jackson Center and New Bremen and all that. We didn't have all that stuff. Mom said, don't wander too far from the house. My friend Steve came by and he said, hey, he said, we're all going down. We got a new Tarzan swing set up. You know what a Tarzan swing was? It was a barge rope that we threw around a branch and we would swing off the hillside and jump into the river. Man, that was fun. <laughs> I said, well, I don't have my trunks. He said, well, just come anyway. You don't even have to get in. Just come down. You got to check this out. Mom said, do what? Don't wander too far from the what? Don't wander too far from the house. I went down there and I decided I'm going swimming. <laughs> so I just got down to my undies. I figured I can always take those off and throw them out. She'll never notice that I'm soaking wet. <laughs> and off I went. As soon as I land in the water and I come up out, the great thing about down there was there were some hillsides and there was Coke ovens and all that kind of stuff. So when mom would yell, she'd put her hands together like this and she'd say, Bobby! Now I want to tell you something. When my mom yelled, I knew that voice. And I thought, I don't have time to dry off. I said, Steve, you got a towel? By the way, Steve's my brother-in-law today. Steve, you got a towel? Uh, no. Uh, we were just going to sit on the rocks and dry, and I thought, my mom just called. How many of you have had that feeling at times where you feel that sinking feeling? And you're like, how am I going to do this? And so I just grabbed my shorts, and I just put them on over top of my undies, and, and guess what happened to my shorts? <laughs> Now I'm coming up to the house, and I'm, I'm putting my shirt back on, and I'm going up toward the house, and I'm thinking, I'm going to die. She's going to know I went far from the house. <laughs> and I remember coming up to the house, and Mom walked out on the porch, and she said, where were you? I said, what's the phrase? Nowhere. I wasn't anywhere. <laughs> she said, come here. What did I tell you? <laughs> Not to wander far. She had somewhere to be, and guess where I am now? Soaking wet in these shorts. She said, go get in the car. And I thought, oh, I'm getting away with this. She made me wait out all that in those wet clothes. She took a plastic bag and laid it on the seat of the car and said, go out there and sit down. And, and by the way, she loved this car. <laughs> uh, uh, Dodge Coronet. How many of you remember those, huh? Dodge Coronet. It looked like a, a yacht on wheels, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I remember getting in the car, and I thought, nothing's going to happen. And then when I got home, <laughs> after she had run her air and whatever she was doing, she introduced me to something, a belt. And she said, come here. She said, go in there. She said, what did I tell you before we left? Uh, not to wander far from the house? She said, that's right. I said, well, I didn't go too far. I just went down to the river. <laughs> the thing of it is, is I disobeyed my what? 
I disobeyed my mom. It came with a consequence. Eli did not restrain his children. I want to tell you, my parents restrained us. We got spanked when we were little, and I restrained my children because I believe that the rod drives the foolishness out of the heart. The next time mom said, don't go far from the house, guess what she meant? Don't go far from the house. <laughs> don't leave because we got somewhere to be. Now, she didn't owe me an explanation or anything, but the fact is, is I had a responsibility to obey my mom. The Bible says this. Now, listen to me. The, Bible, uh, the, the world says this differently because it sounds softer. But let me tell you what the scriptures say. He that spareth his rod, listen to the next word, hateth his son. Now, the world likes to say, spare the rod and spoil the child. The Bible says that you hate your child if you don't correct them. If you do not correct your child, you hate them. Now, listen. But he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. He'll do it many, many times. And the word chastening is a word that God uses about us in the New Testament. And thank God he chastens us. Amen? It's what lets us know that we're a child of God. What lets my kid know that they're my child is sometimes they have to be chastened. Amen? Part of that chastening is, is that the foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. And he that spareth his rod hateth his son. And listen, there's a way to fix the problem called this. And today families don't want to use it anymore. They avoid it. <laughs> Eli evidently spared the rod and he paid a terrible price, the lives of his two sons. In fact, what God said that same day when they died, time came that the sacrifice they made did not atone for their sin. It's not happening anymore. <laughs> now listen, if we're saved, we're saved and we're on our way to heaven. But I want to share a couple of New Testament things for those of us in this room this morning that I want you to really consider this morning. In Romans 6.16, the Bible says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So you're either serving one or the other, and even as a saved person, I can go back and try to serve sin, but it doesn't work. The Bible says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid that you would do that. Don't go down that path. Don't think that that's okay to do that. But here's what I want you to really consider in 1 John 5, 16. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for him that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that you shall pray for it. I want to tell you something. I really believe that a saved person could get so far from God that they get to the place where God can take them out of here. Because they're just not following God anymore. They're doing their own thing. And they're a child of God. And God would rather take them home than to continue to allow them to destroy their testimony, maybe the testimony of their family and the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He'll take them out of the way. Not because he hates them, but because he loves them and doesn't want them to continue on the path that they're going. And we, as mothers, as fathers, as grandparents, we have a responsibility to train up our children. Disobedience can come with a very, very heavy price. And listen, teaching your children to obey is wise. Challenge yourself, your whole family, to serve God, not with a rebellious heart, but responding with first-time obedience. I have one more point I want to make to you this morning. Verses 9 and 10 in chapter 3. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. 
And the Lord came and stood and called as other times, Samuel, Samuel, then Samuel answered, speak, for thy servant heareth. The raising of Samuel, the dedication of his life in the Lord is a result of a family who served God, a child who quickly responded to God. Every time this young man was called, he said, here am I, three times. And how many desire in the heart of their child to be just that? And I got to thinking about this. I wonder why God uses three sometimes. And I thought, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen. He called him three times. Three times Peter denied Christ, and three times Christ said, if you love me, do what? And you look to the scriptures and you say, you know, Lord, there's something to this. And I look to this and I see this young man. And you know what our response ought to be too? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. How many of us are like that? How many of us are at the place we say, no, Lord. Wait, Lord. Not right now, Lord. I have something else to do, Lord. If your children are like that, it's frustrating, isn't it? But I think God wants us to be just that way. And a young person, a teenager, an adult, a senior, how's my heart when it comes to first-time obedience? What's my heart like? What's my attitude like? What's my spirit like when God calls? In 1 Kings 19.12, the Bible says, And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small, voice maybe that voice is trying to speak to your heart right now maybe God's trying to speak to your heart right now and you think it's going to be in the earthquake and you think it's going to be in the fire but it's in the quietness of the moment it's in the quietness of the night sometimes it's not in the earthquake it's not in the fire that's the time that a lot of people will hear the voice of the Lord oh God (laughs) help me Oh, Lord, please speak to me now. And I, and I think about that. I think it's in our daily life. After the fire, when we hear the still, small voice and we reply in the quiet of the night, here am I. Here am I. How many of you have that spirit in your heart right now? Here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You're willing to go and obey. In the raging and the burning inferno and when the ground's quaking, I think it's easier to say, here am I, but in the quiet of the night, when he speaks softly to your heart, are you willing to say, here am I? And I thought about how the heart of the servant is looking to hear the master. That's to listen with a few to obedience. He's wanting to obey. He's wanting to do right. He's looking to do right. And I got to thinking about how the heart of a servant wants to listen and please the master. And I think Samuel demonstrated that he had the heart of a servant. I believe he did that in the way he responded to God. And I thought, is God trying to prepare you or one of your children or your grandchildren to be a servant? And God wants you to yield yourself to the Lord. And here's what I share with you. Ask the Lord to take over your thoughts to eliminate what I'm thinking and to allow God to help me in my thinking, to take away those thoughts that I have and to dominate my thinking with his thoughts. And let the thoughts of God dominate your thinking. Be submissive. Allow the Lord to have his way with you. 
So I looked at the scriptures. The Bible says in John 8, 29, And he that sent me is with me, and the Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. And I got to thinking, boy, I don't know if I'm there. I don't know if I'm that guy at all, because, man, there are times where I know I'm just not doing what pleases the Lord. But I want to be that guy. And I think the way to become that person is it starts with a heart of obedience. It's saying, yes, Lord, when he calls. And I think the Father of heaven has not left us alone, but he's given us salvation in Christ, and he's given us the Holy Spirit to guide us. He's given us his word. He's given us salvation through Jesus Christ. He's given us all those things. And the challenge to us is, is do I want to live a life with an obedient heart? And here's the challenge as we leave today. Challenge yourself and your whole household to serve the Lord God. Don't do it with a rebellious spirit and a rebellious heart. Do it with a heart of gladness. Do it with a heart, not like Hophni and Phinehas. Not like Eli who didn't restrain his children. Do it like Elkanah and Hannah. Praying for your children, committing them to the Lord. And then you walking in the obedience of God and let them see your lives. Let it be a demonstration of what a truth is. Let them see you doing right and receiving the blessings of God because you're responding Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let's pray.